There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Second Opinion with me, Dr. Christian. This is the medical podcast that never shies away from having those difficult conversations. Now, for some reason that only the lawyers will know, I have to make it clear, if you feel unwell, you should actually seek medical assistance by using NHS 111 or consulting your GP or going to your nearest hospital. Right, that's that bit done. With me, as always, is Staff Nurse Stanger. <laughs> Staff Nurse Stanger, how are you? I'm very well, dear. Good very summer? Well, yes, absolutely brilliant. Any ailments? we need to deal with today? <laughs> I've already asked you about one element, you have so I have done that off air. Do you want to make that public or, um, or not? I've got a bump on my head she's, and I don't know where it came she's from. She's got a bump on her head. <laughs> yeah, and it's been there for months. But anyway, yeah, but you say it's going to be all right. Have you been reassured by my sage advice? I always am reassured by your sage advice. That's good. Advice. Um, and also, I'm delighted to say that um, our special guest today um, is a chap called Johnny Benjamin. If you haven't heard of Johnny, he is an award-winning mental health campaigner. He's a film producer. He's a public speaker, writer and vlogger. Vlogger, where do we get these words from? Vlogger. Johnny, how are you? Actually, I've got a medical ailment. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> go on, then. So no, go on, it, go on. I like this. Now. Come on, well, come on. Uh, this is a safe space. Well, I, Be I reassured. The thing is, I can't pronounce it. It's, it's, um, so you know what it is already? I know what it is because I've Googled it, which probably isn't the best thing. It's, it's um, on my... On the corners of my mouth. Angular chilitis. Yes, angular chilitis. What the heck is that? It's good, isn't it? It's good. <laughs> angular chilitis. Angular Do you, you want to know why you get that? You're, it's not going to be pretty. Oh, no, tell you me. You probably dribble a bit in your sleep. Yeah, I do. There you go, you yeah. see? It really hurts. <laughs> so it's just, you know what it is? It's just dry, cracked mouth at the corners. You know when your lips get really dry <laughs> oh, and yeah. then you open your mouth or something and it cracks and it hurts. So and what it, do you do for it? Yeah, what do you do? A bit of Vaseline. All the time. Put it on at night really? before you go to bed as well. Because if you're a bit dribbly in your sleep, um, yeah. that's what's causing it. Okay. Great. There we go. I know, don't I? I know all your secrets. <laughs> well, everyone knows they now. Know. Yeah, everybody oh, knows. Folks at home, that's <laughs> angular colitis. I wonder what that's worth at Scrabble, eh? Probably not bad. <laughs> now, Johnny, your story, um, uh, you were diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder. Yeah. That sort of essentially means schizophrenia. And depression in your case, mm. doesn't it? Yeah. And I think you struggled with your mental health for a while yeah. until there was a most moving and memorable and profound documentary made about your your story really um what was it called it was called the man on the bridge a stranger stranger on the bridge stranger yeah. can you sort of tell us a little bit about that just yeah sure summarize sure that. As, as you said i was diagnosed with um schizoaffective disorder i was 20 um i was also to be honest i was struggling with my sexuality and there was just so much going on and essentially i gave up i gave up i was in hospital psychiatric hospital I was in there for a month and, yeah, uh, it was just, yeah, it was horrendous. Um, 
And a month into to my stay in the hospital, I just literally one night I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Uh, I can't. I can't put into words kind of the pain. I can't. Yeah, I can't. But anyway, I I ran away from from the hospital. Uh, I, I escaped and I I went to a bridge and um, I went onto the edge of this bridge and that's when this stranger essentially came along and uh, we just had this um, just this 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 conversation. Um, it, it was him. He, he, there was something about him. He was just um, the most kind of calm, like patient and um, non-judgmental. I think that was key. He just nothing nothing because in the hospital where i was i kept on being sent back to what they called the suicide ward where you know everything's taken away and someone just sits and watches you 24 7 they don't ever talk they just sit and they watch i just there was never anyone to really sort of be there for me but this guy just um oh there was just there was just something about his presence and his kind of um kindness and yeah we started to talk and and he was just so positive um, and he literally sort of talked you down off yeah, the ledge, didn't he? He was, to, I mean, if I'm completely honest, what he said was quite simple. He was just like, mate, don't, first you don't, don't need to be embarrassed, which I needed to hear. And also, mate, you know, you're going to get through this. And that sounds really simple, but I hadn't heard that before. In the hospital, they were it was quite negative. But this guy had this just amazing positivity. And yeah, he, he eventually talked me off the edge. But yeah, we we when he took me off the edge, the police turned up. They were waiting, basically, a bit further down the bridge. Turned up, separated us, and yeah, that's when I was taken away back to hospital. And yeah, I didn't get a chance to thank him. But six years later, I, I, I launched a search to find him when I was in a better place, when I was ready. And yeah, found him um, through this, through this, well, through social media, actually, through Facebook, which is quite incredible. And yeah, we were reunited. Um which was uh, kind of well, just extraordinary to, yeah. to to be reunited and to say thank you and and for him to see how far I'd come because of what he'd said that day. Um, yeah, really, and he was really right. Extraordinary. Look, I mean, I still it's something that there's no cure. There's no, well, there's no cure, is there? Um, but it's something I manage: uh, medication, therapy. Sometimes I have relapses, end up back in hospital. But yeah, I manage it now. That's the, and I, uh, yeah, I'm I'm in in a different place altogether. Mm. So, and when you say you're in a different place, I mean you now are a campaigner, and actually, um, Mike, because it was hashtag find Mike, I know, wasn't I got Mike? His name wrong. Got his, I got his it name wasn't wrong. Mike, was it? I know. So it's yeah, Neil, Neil, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I know. And you're actually you work together now. Yeah. So can you explain exactly what you do now? Yeah. What? So. So, yeah, we work together. We've just set up a, a new charity, Beyond Shame, Beyond Stigma, which is all about getting help and support to young people. Mm-hmm. Because I just know, like when I was at school, we never got anything about, about mental health. And I know it is changing, but it's not enough. You know, we we know that most mental health issues begin in adolescence. So it just doesn't make sense why we don't do more in schools. It just doesn't make sense. And even in primary schools, it just doesn't make sense. So we've created this charity um, to focus on that prevention end you know, um, when people are young, because when a young person does start struggling, they wait and they wait and they wait. You know, the waiting times at the moment in this country for for support up to a year, even more than a year, just for and you. That would never happen if some if a young person had something like cancer. Can you imagine if they had to wait a year? Um, it just wouldn't happen. So we want to 
We want to change that, yeah. We want to put the help and support in place early on when it's needed. There's a lot of work to do there. I, mean, I, I learned two very important things, actually, from, from you and your story in that documentary. Um, it's ironic, isn't it? I learned more from a documentary than I did in medical school <laughs> about mental health, but that says it all. And it, it was really the fact that I think, you know, medicine, to my great shame, is failing you and a lot of people with mental health. And I'm quite happy, and I'm not happy to say that, but I'm quite, no. you know... I really think it is. I don't, and, and your story about, you know, you were in the, the suicide ward. Well, that's not great, really, is it? And no one talks to you and you sit. I mean, that's just wrong on every single level that I, I can know. think of. And the second thing is the power of words. Just yeah. somebody saying, are you OK? I know, right? We don't do that, do we? I mean, when someone says, you know, how are you? The, the typical response is just automatic. Yeah, I'm right. I'm fine. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And, and You know, and I... I do you know what? This is really bad. I, and I'll be honest, I did this to someone the other day. I saw a mate. I was like, how are you? And um, he was like, I'm, I'm not all right. And I didn't clock for for a few seconds because I was just so used to people saying, you know. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> so I was like, oh, wait, what? You're not all right. Do you know what I mean? And that's really bad of me because, but we're just so used to, yeah. Um, it almost doesn't mean anything anymore. How are you? Because you just expect people to say, I'm fine. And um I just wish, yeah, I wish we, um, it's timing, I think, you know, Neil talks about the bridge and he says, um, uh, there were, there were people walking past and, um, you know, they were rushing, people rushed to work, people rushing to get to wherever they need to go. And, uh, no one's got the time. No one's really got the time. Um, that's the thing, especially in this modern fast paced world that but we live in. it's not true, is it? Actually, we do all have we the time. We do. We think, you know, yeah. that's, that's the thing is, of course we have the time. I read something that you'd written in um, a newspaper about Neil and mm. um, it said that actually it was his listening yeah. was really important. For sure. Um, you were very lucky that it was him that stopped that day. I mean, I mean it, it, th- I what was the key thing, do you think, about him and his personality and that maybe we could all learn from if we've got people that are in trouble or something like that. I don't, I don't know. It just yeah, was interesting the way that no, you wrote about it. you're completely him. right. The, 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 we call it like the act of listening because, again, we're so used to um, not really truly, truly listening, I think, in, in modern society. Um, and Neil just had this, and he still, he has this amazing way of, he'll really listen to someone. And I've learned from him, actually, because... You know, particularly now when we go into schools, um, I really try and practice this active listening. Instead of jumping in and being like, oh, well, you know, uh, you could try this or, oh, yeah, I, I, I went through that as well. Um, the way he listened to me on that day, like he he left these um, like silences and, um, you know, the silences could be uncomfortable and awkward. Yeah. But in that silence, I don't know, I was allowed to um, really, really speak. And again, in hospital, in in the hospital, uh, you know, everything's done like behind a clipboard, and it's like, so Johnny, on a on a scale of one to ten, how how suicidal are you today? On a scale of one to like, uh, is that 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 conversation isn't there? Do you know what I mean? Whereas with him, with with Neil on the bridge, it was just very much like, just he was just like, mate, just it's fine, just just be honest, just just tell me how you're feeling, and he gave me permission, and he that that kind of that active listening, that space, that. He was so patient with me. And again, I think, you know, I mentioned time. People just feel they don't have the time anymore to have that that listening. And I think, again, with kids, it's so important. Um, we really practice that act of listening because particularly when it comes, I think, to talking about mental health, it takes time. It takes time for 
you know, all the stuff to come out. We build up these walls, don't we? And so, you know, we have this shame and this embarrassment and it takes time for it to all come out. So we really need to give people that that time. And um, again, going back to kind of, um, you know, uh, the... NHS, you know, if you think about GPs, I speak to a lot of GPs and they say, well, a lot of people come in, you know, with with mental health issues or a lot of people come in and they don't start talking at first, but then they finally get to their mental health issues and then the appointments up and... Yeah, that 10-minute appointment isn't enough, yeah. is it? It's I just I don't say, know how we've slot. let it get to that. I yeah. really don't. I think it's negligent, actually. And that's, you know, probably a heavy thing to say. But I do. How can you possibly manage somebody, sure. say, in your situation in 10 minutes? No. You can't, can you? You no. can't. And also, I was, I was talking to my mum about this. She's going, don't we have this culture of sort of stiff upper lip and not talking about things? And I said, well... I wonder if that's come from this idea that your GP is busy, he's got 10 yes. minutes, don't bother him, you know. Oh, is it is it from that? What, what's come first? It's sort of chicken or egg, but mm. it's, it's not right, is it? It's not right, but then how do you change it? Because there are so many people trying to get appointments. I mean, it's just actually the, the pressures, the physical pressures. I think we have to it? step in. People like you and, and you, you know, we have to. Mm. And... and we, there's no doubt we find it awkward talking about this thing. It's not. It's like where? Where do we start? How do we However, do it? However, Christian, don't you think that in the last few years, I would say in about the mm. last five or four years, we are much more open about mental Thanks health to issues. Thanks like Johnny. I would yes, say. than I think we were possibly in 2008 yeah. when you had that yeah, horrific. Yeah, no, sure. Although I, I, I do agree, but I think, I think more on things like anxiety, depression. Mm. You know, there is more openness. But when it comes to maybe things like. Um, you know, like schizoaffective disorder, uh, things like uh, borderline personality disorder, or it's now changed to emotionally unstable. Mm. This whole personality disorder, there's there's much less talk about it, and therefore I think it is still harder right. to talk about those particular conditions. I think some conditions it is it's still hard to talk about it, anxiety, depression, but it is a bit easier because so many people are talking about it. Um, and, and suicide, of course, is the other one. People still struggle so much to talk about that because there is that. Taboo. It's still a taboo, I think. You know, it's still a taboo. You were talking earlier about the fact that it's not always reported accurately as well. No, well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Tell coroners. Us a bit more about that. Yeah, well, it's a difficult one, but coroners um, haven't always been recording um, verdict of suicide uh, accurately. Uh, maybe because of you know, if the family is saying you know we don't want it, we don't want our loved one. Um, to have taken their own lives. We don't want it to be on their, their records that they've taken their own lives. Uh, maybe because of religious reasons, you know. Come from a, I come from a Jewish background and, mm. and Judaism, it's, it's, it's a sin. It's still a sin to, to take your own life. And, you know, you, you, you won't be buried with family. You'll be buried kind of away from them because it's, it's just considered a sin. So, yeah, understandably, families... It's so archaic though, isn't it? Mm. It's, it's... It is archaic. But I understand why families sometimes say, look, please don't record... Mm. Um, our loved one's death as a, as a suicide, and therefore, but cor- there's more pressure now on coroners to actually record. Um, if it's if it is a, if they know definitely know it's a suicide, they have to record it as a suicide because we need to get accurate um, figures in terms of how many people are taking their own lives, and we haven't it's been for a while. It's interesting how many of us health professionals and coroners, and you you said it, we're sort of hiding behind clipboards, and mm. we, we're uncomfortable talking about yeah. it, and we should be the ones who are better at talking about it, shouldn't we? But it's hard. Uh, it, it's hard. I mean, it's um, our job. We ought to be no. better. I think it, for for me, it's it's it's, it's confidence. It's all. It, it comes with confidence, you know. Because asking asking that question about suicide, you know, I've I've sat with doctors, nurses, and often they've kind of darted around it, and they've been like, "Oh, you having you having dark thoughts?" 
Um, and all the evidence shows, like, y- you need to mm. say the words. Say the words. So yeah. are you having suicidal thoughts and feelings? Because the more you dart around it as a you know professional and you feel awkward about it, the more the other person is going to feel mm. awkward about it. But if we just... Come out and say, you know, and there's this whole myth as well about, oh, if you mention it, you've got to put it on someone's head. But again, there's no evidence for that no, at all. No evidence. The more we talk about it, um, hopefully, hopefully the more people will be able to be honest if they are struggling with suicidal thoughts and feelings. And hopefully the more, the more, uh, well, sorry, the less suicides will eventually see, eventually. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Why do you think there has been such a spike in suicides? I mean, last year was the worst since 2002. And uh, is there... is there one thing or is there some reason? I mean, and that's like chicken yeah. and egg, I suppose. But I mean, just... Well, and I keep talking about, you know, the health services and obviously, you know, it's it's it's, it's not their fault. Um, but we do know that there's more, there's been so many cuts, so many cuts to mental health services. And also, to be honest, I mean, I speak to a lot of people um, around the country and, you know, if someone is, is suicidal, often they are considered too unwell for therapy. So they're not eligible for, for something like maybe CBT because they are, yeah, they're torn well, they're, they're, they're suicidal. Um, so people are kind of just left, which is ridiculous. That's crazy. It's crazy. And again, if someone goes to A&E and maybe they've um, attempted suicide, often, you know, they'll be sorted out in terms of, you know, maybe if they've cut themselves, they'll be stitched up. But then they're just sent home because there is nothing. There is nothing if, if someone... And again, what frustrates me is if someone came in with a heart attack, can you imagine if they were just like, well, you know... 
we'll sort you out quickly, then we'll let you go. That, w- that would never happen. But no, There's with- cardiac rehab. There's all right. sorts of endless stuff that right. goes on after that. You're right. Why doesn't that happen with... People just... Again, people... There's just not the... We don't have the services, the, 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 the support. Um, there's only... There's really only kind of a few services around the country to help people that are in that place of, you know, uh, feeling suicidal. There's something called the listening place, uh, which which... It, which gives support, long-term support for people that are in that place of, you know, feeling suicidal. And um, there's not many places like that at all, which is just ridiculous. Uh, people are often, so people will come to A&E and maybe they are feeling suicidal or they've attempted suicide and they'll just be sent out and they'll be referred to what they call the, the crisis team. But I speak to crisis teams and they are so overstretched. Um, they've got so many people on their books and they're meant to kind of uh, check in with people but they just don't have the the resource so you know it's not it's not the i don't blame the nhs at all i blame the well to be honest the government and and the lack of, of funding and resource that's been put into to the mental health services i mean so we could all do a lot to help couldn't we actually the yeah. individual like like um neil absolutely did. we could all be neil couldn't we in a way i'm just curious because I, I, is there also something to be said? And I know that there should always be patient-doctor um, confidentiality. But in a situation where you have someone coming into your GP, uh, coming to your GP, and they say they express that they may be having these emotions, these dark things, you can't then get in touch with their family to say keep an eye on them, can you? It's a grey area, but you you sort of can if you're seriously worried and you think there's an absolute risk to that person right. or to other people around them. You can. Right. Um, and it's unlikely to come back and bite you. You're doing the right, you know, th- it's all sort of measured by, well, what would the majority of your colleagues also do in that situation? Right. And if they'd all sort of do the same thing, then you're probably all right. Um, but sometimes you have to stick your neck out and go, no, I, I'm doing this in your best interest. I am mm. concerned. I think you do have to be careful about who you talk to, you know, um, and, and do it with probably with the guidance of the patient they may not want to but they may have a very close friend who you can gradually encourage them that just talk to that one friend you don't have to tell your parents or anything like, you know and that so it's tricky it is difficult and again imagine you've got well eight minutes and ticking you know yeah and you've got to cover all that it's impossible mm. but that's why I sort of say I think we could do more you know and I think every time there's that chap sitting in the corner of the street that you just assume is either drunk or mm. homeless or not worth it we could actually just go while you all mate and you'll either get a fuck off or you'll get you know you'll actually have a conversation and that conversation might be the most profound life-changing thing you can do for that person as it was in your case yeah there's one story that i'll never forget that i heard um basically is a guy in the u.s he's called kevin hines and um he jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge, but he's, he survived. He's only one of, like, three survivors, which is incredible that he survived. Anyway, he left a note at home. He was struggling with bipolar. This was a few years ago. Struggling with bipolar. He left a note at home, and it said, um, if just one person smiles at me on my way to the bridge, then I won't jump. But, unfortunately, no one did. And, yeah, he jumped. But, I mean, thankfully, he was he, 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 he survived, obviously, he had lots of broken bones, but he survived. And um, he's now an incredible mental health cam- campaigner in the US. But it just goes to show, you know, you never know the difference. Just that one smile or just that one hello could make to someone. And, you know, obviously people need to remember that it's not just that person you affect when you do that, but it's the ripple effect. Because, you know, if you smile at that one person or say hello to that that person, that person will then maybe change their uh, behaviour with another person. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, you need to remember the ripple 
uh, effect of our actions. I think that's really important. We forget that sometimes. Especially, I think, if you live in a, a big city. Mm. Yeah, we, we, we live in this time, you know, where we're, we're so connected. We've got, you know, uh, however many hundred thousand people on social media yeah. that none of them you actually know. But I think we've probably never been more lonely and isolated. And I think loneliness, I don't want this to be too depressing a podcast, <laughs> but I think it's important. I think loneliness and isolation is the new, the new issue, isn't it? If, if there is one at all. I don't, it, it's going to, it's a problem. I think there are a lot of very, very isolated, lonely people. It's, it's a massive problem. And I know I'm... <laughs> Not to sound too depressing again, but I have to be honest, um, I, I've heard a lot in the last year, two years, because we know that, that um, suicides in young people have, have increased in the last uh, stats that came out, particularly for, for girls. It's, it's increased massively, the amount of young girls taking their own lives. And at universities, it's a massive problem. And yeah, I've been hearing more and more stories of students that kind of were in their dorms for days that hadn't been found and, and, and checked on because of that. That isolation and, you know, somewhere like uni, I mean, um, it's such a difficult time if you're if you're struggling because mm. you see everyone else, mm. you think they're having the time of their lives um, and you think, oh, my gosh, I'm the only person here that must be struggling. So you keep yourself to yourself. Um, everyone keeps away from you. And then, yeah, these people are, um, there's been a few students who, yeah, just been kind of in bed for days, having taken their own lives and not been found. And we just need to be more aware of each other and... Um, Oh, just we need to be more connected, not just as you say on 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 our phones, on social media, but in real life. I mean, um, again, I, I, not to sound too negative, but again, like um, you know, if you go through your day to day now, you you don't have to talk to anyone. You you can go to uh, like when I when I go onto the bus. I used to talk to the bus driver when I was a kid. You know, sort out my change, have a chat with the bus driver. Now you just swipe onto the bus. You go to um, the supermarket. You swipe everything through. Don't even have to go to the supermarket. We don't Do exactly. You don't. <laughs> or even the bank. I go to the bank now, and the first thing that happens when I walk into the bank, oh, sir, would you like to uh, go to the machines? And I'm like, no, I want to. I want to <laughs> actually talk to someone. So. And we're just losing that human face-to-face connection because technology yeah, is great, but also technology is causing us to um, be more isolated, I think, for, from everyone. And that's a real worry because we know that that human face-to-face connection is really good for our mental health, mm. but we are losing it. And, and that's a big, it's a big worry. Do you think we're going much more into ourselves as well? Because we are looking at, so, so our social life can be on social media and you're then comparing yourself exactly. and you're becoming a bit more absorbed by yeah. yourself. Do you think that that's a, a situation? Massively, massively. So actually, Neil, um, uh, Neil has something, he, he practices something called Jomo. Have you heard of Jomo? You heard of Jomo? No. The, Jomo is the the joy of missing out. So you know you have FOMO, oh, the, the fear of missing oh, right, out. Okay. Oh, okay. When he, which I really love, when he looks at social media like Instagram, he practices. Yeah, the, he looks at different people's posts and he's like, oh, that person went out. They had a great night. I, I want to feel good for them instead of feeling like, oh, that person went out and I wasn't invited. So he's trying to practice like this Jomo. I love it's the Jomo. I love it. I love it. I love it. So instead of beating ourselves up when we're looking at everyone else's pose, thinking oh, I should be doing that or that person's better than me, you're feeling, yeah, kind of grateful for that person and what they're doing and feeling happy for them. I think we could just, if we change our mindsets, the way that we approach social media, it could make a, 
a big difference, maybe. You're such a nicer person than me because I was just having Schadenfreude. I was going, <laughs> yeah, they're on a beach, but they're sunburnt. They've had a mossy bike. <laughs> they're not really having a great time. But that made you feel good about yourself. <laughs> it made you feel great there about me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one thing that's very personal to me and 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 presumably you is you mentioned you were struggling with your sexuality. Yeah. And we know that. Um, you know, gay, bisexual, trans people and mm-hmm. mental health really, really struggle. And yeah. you would, that was part of, of your journey, was it? And Massively. your struggle? Massively, yeah. For me, Why massively. was that? I guess for me, it was because of my, my faith, you know. Um, so I, I grew up Jewish, very influenced by my faith growing up. I went to Sunday school, I went to a Jewish secondary school. And, you know, from a young age, it was, it was told to me, you know, well, you know, being gay is a sin. And I remember there was one particular sermon a, a rabbi gave in synagogue one day, just really laying into um, kind of homosexuality. And I was sitting there, and at that point I was a teenager, I was struggling with my, with my sexuality, and I just thought, oh, my gosh, like, I'm going to go to hell, and I'm a bad person. And, yeah, that had a m- massive effect on my mental health. It just really, um, I, I mean, I was just so... Um, so ashamed. I was so ashamed, so scared. I thought I'll never, ever be able to come out because, you know, I have to hide it from my family, from my Jewish community. Uh, it was just this horrible kind of secret that was just burning away inside of me. And um, actually, when I, you know, I went off to university, I, I did experiment because, you know. Because you do. Because you do. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've got needs. <laughs> um, but the very first time I, I was with a guy, that actually triggered my psychotic episode and my breakdown. Um, not not him, <laughs> not him. He was great, but um, <laughs> no, it was it was the afterwards when I it was, it was the, guilt the shame, the, shame the guilt. That. Oh my god, the guilt, the guilt. And again, that's another reason I ran away to to the bridge. To be honest, because my psychiatrist was I was in hospital and my psychiatrist was questioning me all the time about my sexuality. He knew, but he was trying to bring it out of me, and I just could not. I just could not come to terms with it. I said to myself, I'd rather die than, than my parents know that I'm I'm gay um, because I was so ashamed. So, again, that was another reason I, I ran away to the bridge. And, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, it does worry me, you know, particularly the trans community, that the rate of self-harm and suicide in the trans community is just shocking. And The amount of hate uh, going on at the moment, to me, is is so despicable. You know, yeah, these sort of arguments about whether they're real women or real men and, oh, and can they know. come and use your bathroom. I mean, it's horrible. It's really, really vile. Yeah. And it, it shames me. Shame is the word, I think, that underlies all of this, isn't it? No, shame. I could write a book on shame. Oh, my gosh. Virtually all my patients. Um, I work a lot in psychosexual mm. medicine. And yeah. Underlying nearly every single case you could argue is, is shame is, is this sort of shame we live in a shame based society don't we every news story See, is sort I, of shame based but and are we still sex like scandal. that yeah. because I yeah. keep thinking yeah. I don't know I just well I suppose I suppose in modern family the way that we're bringing up our boys it's like no, but that's, that, that's you, you know, the individual. That's, if you look at the bigger the individual. picture. Do you honestly think, though, that people are as bothered as they were, say, 20 years ago about... But when was the last... If you think, when was the last time you read anything about sex in the press and what was it to do with? Was it about scandal and shame or was mm. it positive and about pleasure and joy? Yeah, OK. Take <laughs> and Take remember, that's, that's what your kids are going to read, you know. Yeah, yeah, and so you can't yeah. help... If you're also struggling with yeah, no, who am right. I, to yeah. quote Jean Valjean, um, <laughs> you know, 
I just think I have my little rose-tinted glasses on and no, I but like to think nice. things on. Like we're and all I'm, very accepting of everybody. But that's, that's exactly how you should be. That's that's why you are the perfect person. But, well, I, you know, you know that, and, yes. and a great mum. But you're not the only influence on your kids. They will nevertheless wander past that evening standard board and read MP sex scandal and take mm, from that, oh, sex sweet. scandal, there's... You know, mm. even subconsciously, you think there's shame behind that, and people are shamed for having sex or for how they are so or what true. they like, and it's you carry that with you, don't you? Yeah, That's... yeah, it's, it's 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 so true, and that's oh, shame is such a, I mean, both well, for mental health and physical health, the things that it does to to you. I mean, carrying that shame around, I mean, it 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 destroys it destroys people. Mm. It almost destroyed me that shame and that that feeling of yeah, guilt and and. There's a hell of a lot of work to do, isn't there? <laughs> But and I don't want to yeah. leave it on that. I sort of want to think actually, there's can a lot we, leave we can it on do. A yeah, well, no, yeah. there what is. What can we do? What can we do? What would you say if you saw someone? If you wouldn't, if you were in Neil's position? Yeah. Do you know what? Firstly, I've got to say things are changing. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like when I go into schools, young people are so much more open and tolerant than ever before. You know, when I was at school, no one ever talked about mental health or sexuality. No one ever, no. ever, ever talked no. about it. I went back to my old school uh, a few months ago and huh, I had students coming up to me being like, yeah, I've, I've gone through depression, I've gone through anxiety, I'm bisexual. It was amazing, it was amazing. So young people are the future and, you know, young people now are more, yeah, open. So I think we've got to feel positive for that. Yeah. We've got to feel really positive. Um, the future is, is is bright with these young people. But I think, um, I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, seeing people that are maybe struggling, because um, I see it often on the tube, like in London, you know, someone might be, well, crying. And it's just that, just that checking in, just that checking in of just like, and and you feel, you know, I, I know that myself, I feel nervous, I feel awkward. Am I going to say the wrong thing? But you, you can't say the wrong thing. You no. just use your human, you know, instinct and... Um, and again, like you said before, just that, just that listening. Um, you don't even have to have the words. Just that, just that, really holding the space for that person can make all the difference. Um, so yeah, don't, don't, don't be afraid. You never know the impact that can have. Like the impact that um, you know Neil had on me that day has now changed both our lives and hopefully changed other people's lives. Maybe so. You know, never underestimate the impact that that has. Just, just that checking in. Yeah, don't be afraid. I would say do one kind thing to a stranger mm. every day, Absolutely. you know, and that might profoundly change your life. Absolutely. And what more could you want? Absolutely. Right. Well, that's about it for uh, this episode of Second Opinion. Thank you, Alex, very much, Pleasure. as always. And a huge thanks to our very special guest, Johnny Benjamin, for coming, talking so openly and honestly. And I really do think you're going to make a huge difference, Johnny. In fact, I know you have already. Don't forget, you can get in touch with us by emailing surgery at thepodcastworks.com or you can message me on Twitter at Dr. Christian if you've got something nice to say. And if you've liked what you heard, feel free to give us a five-star rating. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 